else. It's the innovation and sincerity that you'll fall in love with. Let's see it. I said he's a scumbag, don't you? Earbuds and earworms. I'm Amy, independent podcaster Shepherd, and this is. I was gonna go with Mitchell Manley, independently owned and operated. <laughs> okay, I still am like I feel Mitchell like... Manley, indie darling. I don't know. <laughs> indie darling, I think that makes the most sense. Mitchell Manley, indie house. Indie house. Yeah, because I'm in your house right now, recording for the first time in like a year and a half. I know, isn't it exciting? Like I'm, I'm feel like I'm like okay. Well, a, I'm starstruck. I'm listening to one of my favorite podcasters. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and like we have literally not seen each other since last. Yeah, I'm trying March. to think if I've like ran into you somewhere or anything, but no, I we have not jumped, seen each other in person. No, I jumped your car off. Yeah, that's right. That is correct. Or I, dr- or I dropped off my some, little thingies. Yeah, I don't some know. Some jumper cables, but so that would have been. I don't know, maybe six months ago, eight months ago. Uh huh. I think that range. was like in November. Yeah. I don't know. It was hot. Yeah. And the sun was out, which is terrible. We know how I feel about the sun. Right, of course. And then um, your battery was dead. Yeah. And since then, I've actually had to take my battery and to charge it because I never used my car. Right. So there's that. But it's been also a month since we recorded. Yeah. I don't I don't know how that happened. Yeah, I mean it happens. I've I've definitely been busy and stressed and trying to find a new place to live and working a bunch and you know, but that's cool, you know. I'm glad that we're taking a little bit of a setback and and just kind of doing things at our own pace and yeah. who cares? And I, I sent don't, you my don't seem to care, so. I sent you my schedule. Yeah. yeah <laughs> your schedule's nuts right now. Yeah, it's really terrible. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, this theme this week is indie rock, and I honestly cannot remember who came up with it. Yeah, I think you you mentioned something about maybe a genre episode, and I think maybe I said indie, or you may have suggested indie rock, but I thought that was a really great idea because you know indie rock is just this sort of amorphous descriptor and like kind of kind of like calling a band punk or whatever you know that term alone doesn't really tell you much but there's a certain kind of intangible common thread in the history of the genre uh you know it kind of depends to it kind of seems to depend on how old you are as to what indie means to you and so you know just kind of depends on what you know how old you are and and when you were growing up and what was called indie while you were like really getting into music Uh, a lot of the indie bands are um you know kind of alternative rock there's some that are like emo bands so it's just whatever specific niche of indie was was your thing so um is lisa Loeb indie because i feel like she is yeah i'd call her like an indie singer songwriter although i wonder if she was actually ever on independent label i'm pretty sure she came out the box on a on a major label but you know the if her music came out out of nowhere right now i would consider her kind of a an indie singer songwriter yeah I guess, like, maybe some indie singer-songwriters are, like, copying her or, like, using her as an influencer. But, I don't know. Either way, she sounds indie to me, even though she's not indie at Right, all. and that's another thing, is, like, indie indie rock also kind of spawned a bunch of these sub-genres. Yeah, like, indie-tronica and indie-pop and indie-folk. And so I'd probably call her some sort of indie-folk, maybe, uh, indie-pop, indie-folk. Let's just step back to indie-tronica. Yeah, so, electronica, but... Indie also at the same time. Is that Ben? I mean, yeah, I would definitely consider Ben uh, Ben Ricketts an indie tronica artist. You know, he he definitely defies genre, and that's part of what makes Ben Ricketts great. But a uh, huge influence from from some indie tronica in the Ben Ricketts sound, I would imagine. 
I'm sorry. I've just been playing music <laughs> to ruin X-rays all pandemic. Sure. Uh, what did you bring this week? I'm going to start us off with Death Cab for Cutie and their song, I Was a Kaleidoscope. Like I said, uh, one's definition of indie will probably rely heavily on how old they are and what bands were considered indie whenever they were getting in, getting into music. Uh, so for me, Death Cab was definitely one of the first indie bands that I heard referred to as indie rock. I was in like ninth or 10th grade. My buddy Jared Zahn told me about a site called Epitonic.com, which is a site that had like reviews and news about all the latest indie rock and underground bands. And that was the first place that I had ever heard Death Cab, like right after the release of their record, We Have the Facts. And so I kept an eye on them over the years as they gained some traction and more folks started listening to them. I've just always loved this record. Uh, It's called Photo Album uh, because it was kind of a bridge between like the really slow, quiet early death cab for cutie and the more upbeat confident death cab of like the later albums the lyrics rule the guitar tones are always really interesting and the whole vibe was kind of amalgamating the 90s alternative sound with like some of the 2000s emo vibes and kind of making something nostalgic sounding while still kind of forging ahead uh they may not be for everyone and they were definitely one of the most boring live bands i've ever seen (laughs) Uh, but I'll always have a soft spot for Death Cab for Cutie for kind of planting that seed of, of indie rock in my brain. I'm sorry, why were they boring? They just were so boring. I saw them at Bonnaroo in 2008, and they just stood there on stage and like, you know, whatever. That doesn't <laughs> necessarily matter, but it just they just weren't exciting to watch, even when they were playing upbeat songs that I really enjoyed. It was just kind of boring to watch. Oh, I'm sorry. And it, it was kind of a disappointment, but then I just like went and watched Ben Folds, who just like killed everybody and was amazing by himself with no backup band or anything. And yeah, that was that was probably one of the highlights of that year. It saved it saved the uh, Bonnaroo experience. It did. Um, so this one, this is where I admit that I like the signed Death Cab because apparently I didn't even know that these two albums existed <laughs> at, or three albums, and so. Yeah, I've had Death Cab on repeat for like, I don't know, a decade or two now, Um, but it's much janglier than I normally listen to them, because I love transatlanticism, you know, like sit sit in your car and cry type of music, but it has all the hallmarks of a really great Death Cab song. This was indeed made, like, way before they were signed, I believe. And, like, of course, the Transatlanticism, I think, was, like, their first signed album? 
Yeah, I think that's yeah. probably right. Uh, also, I legit bought a shirt off of Jared Zahn in oh, history yeah. class. <laughs> I think you've mentioned that many, many, many years ago. Uh, yeah, until it fell apart. Like, yeah. he had something, it was an Art Deco golfer on the front of it, and it said the hole-in-one club on the back. Wow. I didn't think about, like, what kitchy. people... Yeah, it's very kitschy. But Jared had, the like, the best thrift he store finds, so... And I was lucky that, like, short little me could fit into skinny, tall Jared's clothes. (laughs) So it worked out. Um, This week, I brought Spelling's Blue American Dream. type of music in the indie genre so this was like my example of it and whatever this is it is legit my vibe this week I actually had to um I dug into it and I think the the band her name is actually Tia and she's like a visual artist in California so how can you get more indie than that mm-hmm. yeah so super I have no idea what is going on lyrically because it's stretched out and just all super ephemeral and just I would just stretched out. I don't know. I think the lady making it, yeah, she started as visual artist, but she's ludicrously talented because some people are just good in music and art and all that stuff. Yeah, just do whatever. I wish I was that person. I know, right? Jack of all trades, master of none. But you know, uh, this is definitely the uh, the sub sub genre, like kind of gloomy indie tronica, maybe. Yeah. It's like sort of turning the the normally peppy sounding indie pop or like dream pop on its head and. Uh, into something more akin to like dark wave or something like that. Uh, definitely sounds way different than most indie rock that we've curated for the show this week. But uh, this one still counts as an indie artist, which uh, should demonstrate pretty clearly just how diverse that genre name indie can be. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, you were asking what indie tronica is. I would I would call this kind of gloomy indie tronica. Well, and then you say dark wave, and we all know I just discovered that like recent, relatively yeah, right. recently. So I'm. I Just like throw it. words together and make them mean whatever you want. That's right. what I do. You Who know cares? what? This is how I need to become a better, like, music critic or right. something. Of course... <laughs> I'm not even, like, a true critic, because I just try to find the nice things about sure. things. So, I think I was, like, having a discussion online about how everything is someone's favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, our ear buddies this week, thank you for your patience. Uh, our first one is Graham, who brings Sabado Gimme Indie Rock. Sound, blow your load. 
Knows if I said seven. Sebado. Sebado. <laughs> uh, close enough. He's close. Um, Graham says, pretty sure indie rock just means GBV. That'd be guided by voices. There we go. Pavement, Sebado, and Superchunk. Just give me indie rock. So I did have to listen to this twice. Uh, it straight up broke down the history of indie rock, and like I'm absolutely amazed by it. Very much appreciate this, and like just really impressed that so much research knowledge could go into such a heavy little pump song. Like it's a little short, little cute thing. Uh, it's not the heaviest, but you know, I just love that they just like compressed everything and played fast and went for it. Right, yeah, this is definitely a perfect primer to kind of start the Ear Buddy section and explain a little more about indie rock. Uh, musically, the song goes, goes all over the place. It's kind of demonstrating that indie rock can be whatever the hell we want it to be. Uh, and Sebado not only wears their influences on their sleeves here, but they literally name drop an entire pedigree of those influences up to that point in 1991 when the song was released. Uh, they say, you know, it all started back in 83, hardcore punk wasn't really doing it for a lot of folks anymore, and so they started getting into slower and more melodic music, and then bands began to kind of blend those two aesthetics in interesting ways, so you end up with bands like Sonic Youth, Husker Du, Dinosaur Jr., and, you know, all of these bands that kind of spawned this giant wave of alternative rock that was sometimes grungy, sometimes more chill and melodic, but all very clearly rooted in punk and, and post-punk ideas, kind of filtered through some pop sensibilities. And for most of the 90s, if someone was talking about indie rock, they were talking about these bands and that particular blend of sounds. I could just, just say Husker Du all the time. Yeah, Husker Du. I love Husker Du. I, I wish I hadn't thought that they were a heavy metal growing up. Yeah, it does sound kind of like it should be a heavy metal band, and the umlauts in their name definitely uh, make it seem like they're a heavier band. Yeah, Motley Crue and Husker Du are not the same. Right. No. Metal Johnnies are next, everybody, who brings ovens I can't tank. more about this band and from what little I can find they have been around since 2002 and known also as the Peels which I hope is a reference to the Peel Sessions mm, I doubt it but still I'm going to live in that world Me too. Uh, Tony Molina and the Canadian Scientologist <laughs> <laughs> it 
It's great, isn't it? Uh, there's a cancer fund for Bo, the drummer, and they have a whole look for every single album, which is like, it says ovens, and then they have like a black and white photo. Yeah, most of Tony Molina's stuff has that same sort of aesthetic where all the album covers are just black and white kind of uh, print looking, which is kind of cool. Is a graphic design his passion? Apparently so. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Metal Johnny knows I'm super obsessed with Tony Molina. He plays guitar and sings in this band and has a prolific solo career under his own name as well. Uh, he just melds the best of like 90s alternative and power pop. And just makes it much grittier and much more punk rock. Uh, if you listen to much Tony Molina, it'll become very apparent that he loves bands like Weezer and Teenage Fan Club. Uh, but his approach to guitar tones and guitar leads and solos takes a lot from classic alternative and like early indie like Pavement, Dinosaur Jr. So he's really carved out a unique niche within the indie genre, kind of being lo-fi and gritty and authentic, but still drawing from these like very catchy power pop roots. Uh, another thing that I really like about Tony Molina is that a lot of his songs are very short. Uh, this one's like a minute and 20 seconds. Some of them are only 30 or 45 seconds, which I admire a lot, you know. Whenever you write a great chord progression or a really catchy guitar part, it can be really tempting to kind of beat it to death within the song, which can kind of take away from the full power of the riff. So I really love that Tony Molina isn't afraid to just drop the catchy melodies on you and then just move it along. Uh, it's quite the power pop power move. He was TikTok before there was TikTok. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, if you think about it. I I'll think... take it. <laughs> Our next year buddy is McCaskill, who brings Frightened Rabbits, I Feel Better. sure what qualifies as indie but for whatever reason these dudes seem to fit the bill so frightened rabbit i just love it um i wonder if the story of frightened rabbit mirrors a lot of the indie rock actually uh anyway the song actually mentions their first album sing the grays mm -hmm. so they're putting away their grace which is what he's saying when he was saying putting away my grace um, how I missed Frightened Rabbit, I'm not quite sure. I probably was, like, listening to Kesha. Probably. <laughs> I'm gonna admit it. And, uh, wow, it's just really fascinating, their evolution from indie design. The end of the band is, like, super sad. It's a Scottish band, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Scott Hutchison, which was the front man, he just, like, disappeared, and then they found him from what they assume is suicide out in, like, yeah. uh, a ditch yeah kinda. his, his family sad. eventually did confirm that it was suicide definitely a massive bummer about scott hutchison uh, who took his own life a few years ago uh even before i'd listened to his band i'd actually heard him on pete holmes podcast you made it weird uh talking about depression and trauma and kind of all the shit that he struggled with so even though i was only tangentially familiar with his musical work i always felt kind of a deep connection to him through hearing about his struggles with mental health on that podcast 
Uh, lucky for us, he, he left a pretty incredible catalog of music. Definitely counts as indie rock in my book. Uh, I especially love the more bombastic approach to the arrangement and the mix. Really sets him apart from a lot of their peers. Uh, there's tons of guitar tracks just stacked on top of one another. Uh, seemingly a couple of different bass tracks. There's one that's like playing the low-end heavies, and then there's another one doing some kind of mid-rangey movement, plus the triumphant chorus of horns and vocal harmonies, just really driving the song into that cathartic, triumphant territory, carrying it to that next level. It's just so perfectly orchestrated. Definitely lit a fire under me to dive back into their catalog, so I'm sure you'll hear some more uh, Frightened Rabbit in some future episodes. I don't think I'll be upset about that. Yeah. But for some reason, you mentioned Rabbit. I just think of Mark Brake. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Red Rabbit or whatever his... I think Red Rabbit or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he used to have a production... Yeah, that's what he called his like production company. That was his like screen name on stuff. Like Red <laughs> Rabbit or something like that. I'm sure it was on MySpace. Yeah. Um, our next everybody is Debbie, who brings Close Lobsters. What is there to smile about? says when i think of indie i first think of all the mid 2000s stuff that was popular at the time however i also think of the jangly british indie bands of the 80s like close lobsters okay i think we need to talk about how much scotland has influenced the indie rock here because frightened rabbit is also scottish um it is it like secretly like you know they're always talking about like just the sheep and the green and the moors and all that. <laughs> is it really just like underneath all that they're just hiding indie bands? It could be. I think maybe just uh, the Scottish, they barely know how to speak English, but they know how to make <laughs> in- indie rock. Ouch. I'm sorry to all our Scottish listeners. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like they came out with a new album, which was like the first like wholly new album in 30 years, like just last year. Um, when I think of indie, I do kind of think of this bright, sparkly, hopeful, broken-hearted music. It's like hopeful and sad at the same time. It's right. great. Yeah, Debbie always has the hidden gems for me, and uh, this is definitely one of my favorites that I've discovered from her. Uh, of the picks this week, this one definitely draws the most influence from the punk and post-punk sounds. Definitely really dreamy and peppy, but also has some of the like minor key turns in there and kind of brings a little apprehension and gloom to certain parts, which makes for a more interesting and dynamic listening experience. The guitars are very shimmery and jangly, very reminiscent of early The Cure and The Smiths, and uh, they seem to be tracked and layered very heavily, which also adds a lot of extra gravity, despite the like poppier, peppier bits going on. Uh, this particular single came out in 1988. Looks like they took a bit of, uh, of a break for the 90s and the early 2000s, and then they hit the scene again in like 2009, and they've been kind of releasing stuff every few years since then. So I'm very curious to, to do my homework on the classics and then kind of compare it to what they're doing these days. 
Close Lobsters is also a good a good band name. Close Lobsters, as in they're way too close. Right, yeah. You don't want to be too close to a lobster unless it's in your food. I was in like, which case, it how, needs to be in your belly. How do you feel about eating lobster? I enjoy lobster. Um, you know, it's got to be prepared in something. It's kind of. I'm not the sort of person that eats lobster with a bowl of butter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that's fine. It tastes okay, but give me like lobster ravioli. Give me a lobster alfredo of some sort. Have you ever been to New England? I've never been to New England. Okay, we need to get you there. I would love that. Yeah, because they have lobster everywhere. Yeah, I'd be into that. Uh, what are the lobster lobster rolls? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would eat the shit out of some lobster rolls. McDonald's sells lobster rolls in New England. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let's go. It's super niche. Um, Jeremiah is our next year, buddy. He brings the thermals a pillar of salt. We run in the dark. We run in the dark. He says it's legitimately one of the most underrated bands of all time. The Thermals have so many good albums with so many good songs, and they just never get the respect they deserve. Um, I legitimately think of this as indie, as the sound I'm familiar with, for like some reason. Punk is indie to me, and religious overtones, criticisms, oh my gosh, just sprinkle that <laughs> into my indie music. Uh, I love it. It makes me so happy. Yeah, I had never heard of this band before, so I definitely appreciate Jeremiah bringing that to the show this week. Uh, I absolutely love that the lead guitar sound, uh, it kind of sounds like square wavy, kind of like a synthesizer. It just brings a little extra dimension to the mix, and with a really fun and catchy lead line that'll kind of leave you dancing and humming long after the song's over. Uh, I also dig the very garagey vocals, almost akin to like Mountain Goats or some other kind of shouty folk punk bands. But in this context of like more high energy, poppy indie rock, it adds a hint of something like very grounded and human, very emotional, a bit more serious, even despite all the dancey fun going on behind it. So yeah, the, the guitars in this one, really great, and, and the vocals are, are very unique, which I appreciate as well. I'm glad you nailed down why I thought of this as indie, because of the mountain goats. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably had something to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Charlie, of course, Charlie, king of like knowing the Man, indie. That guy I know. So, of course, he closes us out with one of the most iconic indie bands. He brings Pavements, Summer, Babe. Minerals, ice deposit tailors, drop off a shiny robe. I've got a lot of things I want to sell, but not here, babe.
So, do you know that one person that knows all the indie bands? His name's Charlie, actually. Yeah. Uh, they definitely told you to listen to Pavement, like, all the time. Uh, this band has a tendency to be somewhat divisive. You either love them or you hate them, but... From what I understand anecdotally, anybody who has delved into any type of underground underground or independently made music will have come across pavement, and I know the people who love to make music love pavement. It's like a band's band. Mm-hmm. Um, I adore the fuzziness, and they truly continue to stick with that vibe throughout all their albums I've heard, mm-hmm. so I think, I, I'm, I think I'm going to fall on the side of I think I like pavement. No, I definitely agree uh, about the fuzziness. Um, you know, of all the of all the big names of '90s indie rock, Pavement is definitely my favorite. Uh, Stephen Malgmus has such great guitar tones. Uh, you know, some of the catchiest vocal melodies, and his lyrics range from like weirdo word soup to like really clever and snarky, smarmy lyrics, and occasionally very stark and intimate lyrics. Uh, this one's kind of simple and repetitive on the basic level. Kind of relies mostly on the quiet, loud dynamics to keep things interesting and active. But that simplicity and repetition kind of helps uh, to pull you into the mood of the song. And the feedback, distorted guitar is just like a stark contrast to the more chilled out vibe of the rest of the instrumentation. Which also kind of adds a layer of power, gives it a little bit of a heavier aesthetic uh, without being overwhelming for folks who aren't accustomed to heavier, noisier guitars. Uh, Stephen Malkmus also has several uh, solo records that I'm super into. Uh, especially the Stephen Malcolmus and the Jicks record. It's called Real Emotional Trash. So if you're into this or already a Pavement fan, definitely make sure that you check out that record as well. Just tons of great guitar solos, really clever and catchy vocal melodies. Uh, really great record. Also, if I have an autobiography, I'm going to call it Real Emotional Trash. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's such a good name. Um, okay, we did get feedback like... Uh... Eight, Many eight, moons mo- ago. eight months ago. <laughs> we have a voicemail. It's from Jack. Here's his voicemail. Hello, fellow ear buddies. This is Jack Alberson. I actually have a new metal story of my own. In 1997, I was in an industrial rock band called Bleak House uh, in Arkansas. And we played little shows here and there uh, with other uh, other bands that kind of did the, uh, the herder stuff, grindcore kind of thing. One such show, actually, that w- which was going to be my last in Bleak House, uh, was in 1997 in Batesville, Arkansas, at um, an old movie theater called Lander's Theater. Uh, we were standing around in the parking lot loitering, and here comes a bus, not a bus, a van, with Illinois uh, license plate uh, that pulls up and... Uh, I can't remember, three or four guys get out, uh, totally, totally metal dudes, shaved heads up the side and, and, uh, whatnot. And, uh, we were not aware that another band, um, especially one from Illinois, uh, had been added to the bill. And it turns out these guys were a little band at the time called Mudbane, who, uh, were going around doing the Road Warriors thing. And so it was cool. They were really dorky cool guys. I think the guy I talked to the most was uh, Greg. And uh, it came time to do the show, so we all we all got in and got ready, and, and Mudbane took the stage. And they were incredible. They were so uh, hard and, and good, and, and it was uh, primal, really, uh, really heavy stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was a great show, which would have been better if the roof hadn't uh, fallen in in the uh in the theater so the rest of the 
the show was canceled. Uh, so we all went and uh, hung out at a at a gay bar. But uh, anyway, so that's my uh, that's my story. I have pictures of Mudvayne, Sam's makeup from 1997. Probably could have been a better story. Take care. This was right after I think we did our new metal episode. Yeah, we did our new metal episode, and and Jack decided to tell us about the time that he played a show with Mudvayne. And he said that it was not the it wasn't the best new metal story, and I refuse to believe that because yeah. I think this is an amazing new metal story. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so please send the voicemails. All right. I, we will eventually get to him, I assure you. Um, our Twitter is... I'm at Pow I Gotcha. I'm at Madam Woolite, and the show is at E&D Pod. You can always join the um, the conversation and see when we drop new episodes if you're on the Facebooks. I know that nobody likes to be the Facebooks, but that's the easiest way to talk to people. It's Earbuds and Earworms podcast group, and the voicemail line is... 731-400-BUDS or... 731-400-2837. Be like Jack and have your voicemail heard eight months later. Please. <laughs> yeah, I, I love getting in voicemails. We don't get them very often. Yeah. And Jack has actually submitted a few, which I, I, I appreciate that, Jack. I totally appreciate it. I love any feedback, but I, I do love the voicemail line, so I'm glad we still have that. Um, you can email the show, emdpod at gmail.com, and you can always check out the show, emdpod.com, part of the 10710 Network, which... Hopefully, I still remember how to upload to it. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to find out. Yeah. Now, because we're making the show different. Mm-hmm. So, I have to, like, go back to what we were doing, like, 18 months ago. Yeah, good luck editing. It might be a little easier. I don't know, because we have one track this time. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And then I have to go back. Oh, hey, that's, like, sausage yeah. story. Okay. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> What's our final song this week? So, I'm going to leave us with Freeloader and their song, Not That Smart. Uh, somewhere along the way, indie rock kind of spawned a particular subgenre that a lot of folks call slacker rock. Uh, definitely a huge influence from bands like Superchunk, Pavement, Guided by Voices, all those early 90s gems. Just kind of mid-tempo guitar rock with like snarky, sarcastic, or otherwise kind of tongue-in-cheek lyrics. Uh, so some friends of mine from here in Memphis uh, took some time away from their normal bands to put out this EP under the name Freeloader. Uh, and they just make some very self-aware slacker rock that I think just works perfectly to kind of encapsulate this sort of post-postmodern sort of meta-distillation of indie and slackery college rock. Because uh, they do it so undeniably well. Just brilliant songwriting, pulling out all the stops, using every trick in the book perfectly. Uh, yet the lyrics and the style show that they didn't take, you know, take any of it too seriously. The band's really just kind of a fun outlet to just kind of pay homage to the great indie bands that we all grew up on. So, yeah, in that spirit, I will leave you with my friends Freeloader and their slacker rock indie anthem, Not That Smart. Tastes like time when
Son.